Fun Factory.com has partnered with Locker Room Talk and Shots. So when you use my special code, SELS20, you get 20% off your Fun Factory purchase. Just head to us.funfactory.com and use my code, SELS20, at checkout for 20% off sex toys, lube, massage oils, and more. Cheers. <laughs> Do the sex. Hi, this is Annette Benedetti, your hostess for Locker Room Talk and Shots, the podcast that likes to think of itself as the queer NPR of raunchy women's sex talk. You are about to sit in on the kind of conversations women have on their girls' nights out or behind closed doors while enjoying delicious drinks and dishing about sex. Think fun, honest, and feminist as fuck, and always with the goal of fighting the patriarchy one orgasm at a time. Welcome to the locker room. <laughs> Ring loop. Today's locker room talk topic is naked seduction, the innovators of sex work then and now. Now, if you have tuned in for any amount of time at all, you guys know that I champion sex workers as being vital to the women's sexual empowerment movement and the intersectional feminist movement. And today today is actually a really big treat for me and for you, listener, because we are going to have an opportunity to meet and see if you want to head over to my YouTube channel at Annette Benedetti, some of the innovators of the sex work and sexual empowerment movement. I'm talking the first public Strippers, topless performers, erotic performers, those folks. So you might be wondering how the fuck I'm going to make that happen. Well, my guest today is Ricky Blakesburg. She is a curator and a photo archivist who primarily works with collections from the 60s and 70s. And she just held an exhibit in New York City featuring the work of Elizabeth Sunflower, who was a prolific photojournalist based in San Francisco in the 70s, 60s, 70s-ish, uh, she can verify. And um, she documented the North Beach Strip Club culture. Now, I've gotten a chance to kind of check this out and learn about it, and it is fascinating and exciting. But before we jump into that, and I give you all an opportunity to both meet and see these individuals, I want, Ricky, for you to take a moment just to tell my listeners about who you are and what you do of course. Thank you, Annette. Hi, I'm Ricky Blakesburg, and I'm so excited to be on Locker Room Talk and Shots. And yeah, I am a curator based out of New York City currently. And like Annette said, I primarily work with archives, photo archives from the 60s and 70s. And um, specifically as of late, I've been trying to focus more on feminist movements and finding archives that highlight um, feminist, feminist movements from the 60s and 70s, because I think there's so much that parallels to what's happening in our society today. So finding those parallels and highlighting them has become very important to me in my curatorial work. So I'm really excited to explore a little bit more about this on today's episode and dig deep into the world of what naked seduction means then and now. Certainly, I think, uh, uh, listeners, as we go along, you're going to see how uh, 
what was happening in the 60s and 70s has been so important to and similar, unfortunately, uh, when people say we're going backward, I think you're going to be able to see this. And, and the only way that we can see this and start to change it is by looking at the past. And this honestly is something I don't know much of anything about. So I'm excited that there's someone here today to illuminate all of us. Uh, I am. This is a nine o'clock in the morning recording, which I just want you to know, Ricky, getting me out of bed. I got up at six fucking a.m. just to study up and be prepared for you. Uh, Ricky is uh, three hours ahead of me. So I was like. It's a lot. This is how excited I am about it. So I'm having coffee out of my finger bang mug, uh, finger bang Portland. They do nails. And what what are you, what are you, I know. I've actually been there. Yeah, that's, (laughs) I've never had my nails done there, but well, I like the topic. So I'm, I'm, can you see it? I'm doing Topa Chico. Topa Chico. No, what is that? It's like a bubbly water, but I just really like the branding. Of course, you can't see because I have like the blur behind me. You have the blur behind you. Topa Chico, folks. So cheers. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. My favorite topic. I want to let listeners know also, as we are talking uh, about these images, uh, we are going to be showing the images on my YouTube channel at Annette Benedetti over, you know, the top of everything. So you can actually go and listen to our conversation. We'll be putting images up. We'll go back through them at the end real quickly, but you can actually see what we're talking about if you head over to my YouTube channel. But, you know, actually what we're going to start talking about is (laughs) as I looked, um, so I looked into uh, Ricky's Naked Seduction exhibit. I am so bummed I didn't get to see it in person. But what I found fascinating at the end of my studies was the photographer, Elizabeth Sunflower. Now, I am not going to pretend like I am an expert in photography or anything like that. But just the fact that she was able to, at that time in history, I think people don't realize how short of a time ago women were able to do any kind of real work on their own or anything outside of being a nurse or a teacher. And this photographer was very successful. It seemed, I'm going to let you talk about her, but not only that, that she was bold enough to cover the stuff that you and I are going to cover today. So can you talk to me a little bit about why you chose her? So Elizabeth Sunflower is actually part of an archive that my dad and I own. My dad and I own an archive collective called Retro Photo Archive, where we purchase and manage various archives. And we found Elizabeth Sunflower about a year and a half ago. Um, we're both from San Francisco. My dad still lives there and she, you know, is a San Francisco based photographer was, and we found her, um, because she had shot the festival Altamont Rolling Stones, Altamont 1969. I don't know if you know about Altamont, but it was sort of like a Woodstock gone wrong. And that's how we found her archive. So we had reached out to her sisters, long story short, We talked with her sisters and we were able to purchase the archive for them because when she had passed away in 2008, she didn't have any kids and the sisters took over, but they didn't know really the proper way to get her archive back out there in modern day. You know, they, they struggled. They couldn't figure out how to license her images or, um, 
get them, you know, into magazines or in galleries. And that's something that my dad and I specialize in. And so when we had gotten her archive, I actually had no idea about any of the North Beach work that she had done in terms of the stripper scene. I knew that she had worked, you know, and shot Allen Ginsberg, who was, you know, a beat poet in North Beach, which is what that neighborhood is primarily known for. But when we had gotten her archive and she had thousands of images, we just started to scan and explore. And I happened upon all of these images from the North Beach stripper scene in the late 60s and early mid 70s. And that is when I was like, a light bulb went off. I was like, wow, like, these are really powerful and really relevant and have so many stories, you know, like, a lot of her images, so she has, she has a lot of scans, but she had um, some prints of some photographs. And on the back of some of these prints, she would write these little captions about, you know, Carol Dota, who's someone that you mentioned at the beginning was the first topless dancer in the United States. And she would write these little blurbs about who these dancers were, or Lola Raquel, who was in competition, you know, air quotes with, with Carol Dota getting arrested for flying, you know, topless on an airplane. So she would have these little anecdotes on the back of these photographs that were so inspiring and wanted me to learn, like made me want to learn more about the burgeoning sex scene in San Francisco. And I think something really important to note, and this is something that I had said to Annette prior to this podcast is I had listened to some episodes before coming on and I was saying I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, why am I a good person or fit to be on a show like this? Like, I am i don't necessarily work in the sex working therapist doctor scene, you know, but for me, I've started to take the time to try and learn more and educate myself about how a lot of this started and you know, how it's continuing to evolve in today. And that, you know, is a long-winded answer into how Naked Seduction, the gallery came to be. I, I found myself wanting to learn more about these images and these stories. And I wanted other people to be able to view them and understand this as well. So this is all still very new for me, but it's really exciting. And there's so many questions to be answered, but What's so beautiful is Elizabeth Sunflower documented so much of what was happening that visually so many things are being answered for me. And hopefully for the listeners, if you can go online and check them out. I mean, what blew my mind was I'm like, I had never thought about who was who was the first topless dancer in the U.S. And who, where did the strip club scene really start? And what was that like? And as I looked at the pictures that you sent me from the exhibit, it just, it just altered my view. You know, I think right now we have still in America, although I do think it's shifting this view of sex workers as it's dark and seedy. And there are these very weak women who just can only use their bodies for uh, getting money to go to color or whatever. And and I, I have good friends who are sex workers. I've interviewed uh, several uh, OnlyFans creators 
on this podcast. And these are empowered, educated women making a choice to own the story of their body, own the power of their sexuality. And that is something as you um, put together this exhibit, you showed the pictures and you told the story of Carol Dota. You told her story as though it's because it is a woman's empowerment story and that she was really talking about and and acting out rec- the reclamation of women's sexuality and owning their body and being confident in it. So I am curious about that. Um, in your write-up that you sent me and that listeners can scroll down to the <laughs> notes uh, in this podcast, click on and read, you talk about how these performers were kind of coming out of what was an underground um, what sex worker environment. And then they, they were kind of coming out into the open. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Tell that story a little bit through the photos? Yeah. So um, definitely. I think that in like the seventies, like early seventies is when there was always strip clubs in the North beach area in San Francisco, but how like much clothing was off of them was like, you know, you would go in and they'd be pretty much dressed, but they were dancing, you know, they were doing like exotic dancing and and whatnot. And I think that um, the great thing that Carol Dota did was she had this huge act at the Condor Club. So, so yes, they were doing stuff underground. And I think more of what I'm highlighting is when it sort of rose to the surface. And that's what these photos are. It's sort of like the awakening of like, check out my titties, you know, like, like, I don't want to hide this anymore. Like, let's, let's dance and like show what I got. So I'm sort of highlighting that in this exhibition. It's sort of like this empowering moment of these women coming out and being like, I'm ready to sort of like be free and not have someone specifically a man tell me like what I can and can't show. So what was really great is like at the Condor Club, which is a very famous strip club in San Francisco, and it's still around today. You know, if you go to North Beach in San Francisco and you're driving like it there's a huge sign there and I grew up in San Francisco you know I still drive and can can go see it but um she had this really famous act where she would like come down on a grand piano and you know be singing and dancing and then one day she was like they made her some type of suit that was essentially topless on the top and she came down on the grand piano and it was this huge big deal And people were losing their mind because she, you know, she already had pretty big boobs and she was the first topless dancer in the United States. She was like the first woman to ever do this as a live paying performance act. And it was such a crazy thing in the seventies because people that that wasn't normalized, you know, like you said, that was something that people did underground and now she was doing it above ground in front of all of these people. and. It was really, it was really exciting. And I think the greatest part about it too, was it was empowering for her. Like, it wasn't like a man said, like, we want you to do this. She was like, she wanted to do it. She felt excited about doing it. And she felt proud uh, about doing it. And I think for me as a woman, like, I love feeling proud of my boobs and like feeling proud of my body. And I like, I want to show them off, you know, like, I think it's fun and exciting and I think for a woman of that time where like they were so trained to be like cover up and, you know, we still kind of are trained like that today. Like 
when we go to the beach, like you have to wear a bikini top. But I'm like, why? Like, I feel better sometimes not having that on, you know, for her to be like that was such a crazy moment. And to be able to get paid to do that, to like feel good and get paid. I think that that parallel was just so exciting for her. Yeah, I think something that was is striking about the photos is that you do see these women are also outside in a lot of in many of the photos and surrounded by people and men and very confident. And I was like, I didn't even know that that was happening at that point in history. Like so openly and and mostly I was like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't all get arrested. I mean, you can still get in trouble for that shit today, which blows my mind. I think you're right. It's kind of crazy. You know, men can walk around, you know, and some men have boobs as big as I do. I do not have big boobs um, <laughs> and they can walk around without a top on. But if I were to, it's like suddenly a big deal. Um, but yeah, in the photos, you see the confidence and and feelings of being proud of their bodies. So, and that is, I think, em- empowering and impactful. I think that it's it's so interesting because you know after Carol Dota broke that that boundary of being topless, a lot of the other strip clubs in North Beach wanted to like hop on and be a part of that movement and. Um, one thing that I'm not totally sure of is like, was it the woman, was it the dancers that wanted to hop on or was it the men that owned those clubs? But something cool that you see throughout the photographs and naked seduction is that these women are out there and they're marketing for their, for their clubs. And the way that they do that is a lot of times they're not totally topless, but they, you know, like some of them have like their nipples a little bit covered or they're holding themselves or, you know, whatnot, but they're still out there and showing off these parts of their bodies that at that time wasn't normalized. And like I said, to repeat myself, like still not really super normalized. And they, a lot of them were getting arrested and, and getting in trouble. And something interesting to know is they were the ones getting in trouble, not clubs, you know, like Lola. Right. Carol Dota was the one who like actually when she first became doing like came to the Condor Club and was topless dancing like she was the one getting in trouble and that was something that I sort of was commenting on through Naked Seduction is while these women are having these empowering moments and these breakthrough moments of being naked for the first time publicly you know um, there is this sort of like heteronormative male gaze that's still happening and it does make you think like where is like the crossover between like female empowerment and also like gawking right like this is only for male pleasure like you know some of it just feels very hetero like heteronormative it it was a little hard to ignore some of the guys in the photo who were very objectifying and but it was interesting because also in those images um the women still looked like they were owning the space and in control of what was going on and i i do feel like you can see that in the photo but you spoke to that in the write up that you you sent me a little bit of how you thought that um 
Elizabeth Flower's photos were meant to capture that element and expose it, the power of the woman. And then the, you know, the toxic masculinity, the, the male gaze, just almost looking cartoonish. I think in several of the photos, it, it looks as cartoonish as it actually is in reality. We'll be right back. My code SELS20 is your key to kicking off the sexiest new year ever had when you use it at funfactory.com. Enjoy 20% off Fun Factory's luxury products, including vibrators, cock rings, lube, and more when you use my code SELS20. Check out the Vim vibrating wand. Yes, the one featured on this podcast thumbnail. Grab the nose vibrating cock ring and experience more simultaneous orgasms in 2024. And don't forget to check out their rabbit style vibes. I'm talking about the lady by for toe curling blended O's all year long. Just fill your cart and use code SELS20 at checkout and enjoy 20% off when you shop funfactory.com. Cheers. Totally. And like, that was something, you know, I loved the juxtaposition that Elizabeth Sunflower was always kind of like cultivating in her photographs. And, you know, obviously I didn't know her personally, but when I have spoken to the sisters, like something that was really interesting that they noted about her photography. And I'll just say this, like you can go to the photographic and you can see all these images in an article that was, I wrote up about her. So if you want to go look at that while you're listening to this, it, it'll help a lot to make sense of everything. But something that the sisters had mentioned about um, Elizabeth Sunflower was she was so intentional about everything she did. So while it wasn't necessarily planned for her to get a shot, it was still street photography and it was still being in the right place at the right time. Her images are very intentional in the sense that a, like when she's editing them, she finds the ones that she felt she identified with as a woman And a woman working, like you said at the beginning, in the 70s and trying to find her footing and also intentional in the sense of she, while she's capturing the heteronormativeness in these men, she is trying to show that female empowerment through her images and the power that these women have. And I think that in photography or video or sometimes, you know, pornography, Sometimes these directors, and I feel like a lot of times it's more like male oriented, there sometimes can be this sense of like sadness or pressure that you can feel. And I think what's really beautiful and caught my eye about the way Elizabeth shot was that she isn't capturing that. Like she's showing that these women, they want to be here. No one's telling them that they have to be here. And that's what I love, honestly, about the rise of sex culture today, like on OnlyFans, like these, these women that are on OnlyFans, and I have a lot of friends who, you know, are on OnlyFans, or are strippers, you know, like they, they want to be doing that. And they want to be a part of this culture. And they want to share their bodies in this certain way. And no one's saying that they have to. And obviously, there's the other side where that, that still is happening today. And it's important to note. But I think going back to the 70s, the early 70s, like, that was so rare and it was so amazing that Elizabeth Sunflower was there to capture that like 
uprising and that moment because you can really see it in these images. You can you can see and feel the empowerment in the images. And and one of the reasons why uh, after seeing uh, and finding out about your exhibit that I wanted to bring you on is and I've 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 covered this throughout the last two and a half years as I've done this podcast, I always say, people are always like, Annette, why always sex? Why does everything have to be like almost in this very shameful way? Like something's wrong with me because I want to talk about sex in all of its forms and all of its ways. I'm not afraid to talk about any subject related to it. And, and when I saw those photos it captured in those women's faces what I feel when I'm doing this podcast. You know, like I'm talking about something that is vital to the quality of a woman's life, which is sex and our sexuality. Uh, it's totally. vital to our health, our mental health, our spiritual health. It is, it's vital to our power in the world. And it's been suppressed, oppressed by us. And it feels fucking good to get on here every week and talk about it. It feels fucking good. And when you see these women in these images, and I really hope, listeners, you'll, you'll take some time to do that. And again, to read her write-up, because you did such a beautiful job in the write-up that you sent me. And we will have all the links to get you there. It's, again, another way of explaining why is sex work important to women's sexual empowerment? Why is women's sexual empowerment import important to intersectional feminism and women's liberation? We are drawing a line from sex, women's sexuality, to feminism. And you cannot get to feminism and women's liberation and empowering women unless you fix the sex thing, period. <laughs> like, period, in my very professional opinion. So I think that the work that you're showing does a beautiful job of literally showing it, right? And it is interesting to me, Elizabeth Sunflower herself, she was obviously a very empowered, strong woman. And then she went out and she captured these women who I'm sure were looked down upon and harassed. I can't even imagine what it would be like to try and be a sex worker at that time in history. Um, and she captured them in a way that was so uh, not only respectful, but made them look as heroic as they truly are, right? Um, I want to talk about the photo that you have of the woman who was arrested for flying topless. I have a new bucket list. Thing I know, right? <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. I'm going to Fiji. Maybe I'll get brave. Um can we talk a little bit about that image and, and the story around it? Yeah, definitely. So um, Lola Raquel is who is in this image. And she is she worked at Elcid, E-L-C-I-D, which was, you know, right next door to the Condor Club. And Lola Raquel was sort of brought on board to be in competition with Carol Dota. They wanted people to come to the Elsid club and check out what they got, you know? So what they did was, is they would send the dancers from the Elsid club in these cute little getups. And so there's sort of, there's two photographs because this is 
this it all it's it's seamless but they would dress up in these cute little outfits with these little hearts that covered their nipples that said Elsid club and they would go to the airport and they would market their club to the people coming in and going out saying like oh welcome to san francisco you should come to the Elsid club like check out what we have to offer so that's what they were doing but then lola went to the airport and one of her get-ups because she was going to LA. She was traveling to LA to do some type of work. And she was wearing in the photograph that I'm showing now, this jumper where her boobs are out and she has these pasties sort of over her nipples that match, you know, but you can, she's exposed. You can see her, her boobs. And in the photo, you know, it goes back to this heteronormative gaze. There's three men sort of gawking and looking at her boobs and you know she's she's showing them out of her fur coat and she feels good but she gets on the plane to go to LA and she makes it there and when she gets off the plane the police are waiting for her because she was flying nude even though technically her nipples were covered you know she was wearing cloth pasties but it was all part of this like advertising for the Elsa club that's where the airport really like the airport gimmick started, but she was just going uh, for the, this photo that I'm now showing. She was this second one of the airport. She's just going to LA to, you know, do her own work. And she decided to wear this outfit. And it's just very interesting because it does make me wonder now, like if I were to show up to the airport like that in that outfit, like, and got on the plane, would I, would I get in trouble? It's so hard to say, cause I want to say no. Like, I want to say like, Oh, well I can do, whatever the fuck I want, like, you know, God bless America. But like, you know, I feel that that's, that's not really the ethos of, of the United States. And if, if I did get on the, on the airplane now with my boobs out that I think I would probably get in trouble or I'd be making someone comfortable or, you know, like there, there would be some type of conversation. Yeah, they would definitely. I don't know if they'd even let you take off. Uh, I've heard of them kicking people off the plane for like shorts that are too short and stuff like that. And I'm like, holy shit. I just do want to. I'm, all right. So I'm going to share something a little personal. I, this year, for the first time in my entire life, I'm turning 49 next Sunday, have worn pasties for the first time. I just want to talk about the power of pasties. Like, there is something, it's funny. Because you're still topless, but you got these, you know, I had little heart ones. I had little fuck me ones. They did make me feel a little bit less naked, <laughs> but so they made me feel less naked. I I wore them to a sex club in the sex club, but I wore them to a nude beach after I, the heart ones to the new nude beach because uh, I was going to the nude beach with my friends and Suddenly, they made me feel like I was being inappropriate. Interestingly enough, I was like, ooh, is it better if I'm just like out here with my nipples? Or does putting the pasties on my nipples suddenly sexualize the situation? Because, you know, at the nude beach, you don't want to make it all sex, sex oriented because there's people and kids and stuff like that. And I was like, God, is this inappropriate? I thought it was funny. Now I'm thinking maybe I should have gone without the pasties. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that. as So a lot of the photos that we're sharing, obviously, the women have pasties or what would have been early day pasties on their nipples we'll be right back 
Start the new year off with a bang. My code explores 15 gets you 15% off womanizer.com's famous pleasure air tech sex toys. You know, the clit satisfying sucking sensation that guarantees explosive orgasms. Just go to womanizer.com and check out my personal favorite, the Womanizer Duo 2. Get ready for blended orgasms or the premium two. Womanizer.com has something for you, whether you are seeking clitastic satisfaction, blended orgasms, or explosive G-spot experiences. Just shop womanizer.com and use my code EXPLORES15 at checkout for 15% off. That's 15% off all womanizer.com products with my code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because like a lot of the marketing that happened, um, the woman's nipples weren't often out, you know, like there was, there was usually like some type of coverage you could say. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny to me that that coverage actually made me feel like maybe I'm sexing up a situation that it would be less sexy if I just were showing my nipples. I thought that that was a very interesting moment in my brain um, because I'm like, oh, maybe the pasties are drawing attention. Anyway, that's that's my. But person. I love pasties too. I love pasties too. I have to say, I love them. <laughs> They're I so fun. They are. I I can't believe it's taken me so long to meet the pasty, and they're comfortable. They're really comfortable, and like if you wear a cute little mesh top or something, and you have them on, it it creates an outfit. It creates a moment. Yeah. So I, I'm heading into my fifties, like into the, into the pasties, weird timing, but whatever it happens when it happens. This isn't an advertisement for pasties, by the way. <laughs> so, hey, if you want to sponsor me, I will wear your pasties everywhere. Uh, uh, but just saying. Except a nude beach. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a lot for a sponsorship, except for a nude beach, right? Um, so there was also the story of uh, the strippers that somehow made it in the airport up to attack the tower. The yeah, can you explain a that would never happen today, never. But so that's what made it a fun story. Can we talk about that a little bit? Oh well, yeah. So that that is back to so that's the Elsid girls, and that is just back to the um, you know them. They they went with their little signs and you can see in the images, but it says like Elsid's Miss Raquel's, which is Lola Raquel's, you know, is hot pants and welcomes home, you know, all of these different people. And you can like, you, you know, they, they would, they were going around with their little signs around the airport and they were just interacting with travelers and workers and, you know, even the police. And somehow they made it up into the flight control tower that was on the back of one of, Elizabeth Sunflower's prints. She never said exactly how they made it up. I like to think, you know, back to the heteronormativeness of the situation is like sweet talking these men and these men saw them in these outfits and these like cutesy little outfits and, you know, their boobs are exposed and they were like, yeah, why don't you come on up here and like see what goes on in the control tower, you know, like a little bit of flirting and, you know, they're like holding the windows up in the glass, you know, where they can see all the jet planes landing and taking off and they're holding up their LCID signs. So they're like, great, let's take advantage of this marketing situation where we can. But those images are just so great. And we'll, we'll show some of them now, I'm sure, in, in the visual part of the podcast. Um, but it's just nice because 
you know, these girls are, it's the seventies. Like their, their hair is so big. They're wearing, you know, the big makeup and eyelashes and they're wearing these like cute little outfits with little like hearts on their boobs that say Elsid. And I just think it's so unique and sexy, but also it's, it's, it's hot. And it was, you know, it was, I don't, it was just, yeah. it was, and you couldn't do that today. I think it's I a it's interesting to me that they focused on um, airports. You just couldn't get anywhere close to an airport like that. It's I think that when you look through these photos, what you'll realize is, oh God, how similar things are today, but also how in some ways even more restricted things are today. Right? Like sex workers. I don't think could get away with some of the stuff that these iconic innovators were getting away with. Like they could not do those things as easily and freely, which seems, you know, like, how is that true? But if you, they wouldn't get into an airport. Um, I mean, you just don't see that same kind of like out in public talking to the cops thing nowadays. Not that maybe I'm in the wrong place. I feel like I feel like if it were going to happen anywhere like Portland and maybe it's happening in San Francisco, but I don't think to the extent that what we're seeing in the photos, it was happening. Am I wrong? Totally. No, I mean, and I think something that's interesting, like I said, I'm like, I'm no professional in this field, but it's something that I've thought about a lot while exploring naked seduction and, you know, these photos, Elizabeth Sunflower's photos, but I sometimes feel like we have tried to like over normalize sex working nowadays just because of like OnlyFans and strip clubs, you know, everywhere that because like people are like, oh, it's so normal. It's so normal. It's like almost become not okay again, if that makes sense. Like in the sense of like, I still hear people when they're talking about friends that are on OnlyFans, like, oh, like. I can't believe they do that. Or there's always this like sense of judgment or shame. And I think like it is so normalized in our culture for some people. But on the other hand, I still think there's this sense of like underlying shame or like deep rooted issues with it. I don't know if I'm making sense, but. No, I agree. I th- I- I'm kind of surprised that the stigma is still there and so rampant and the i and that feeling that someone's desperate if yeah you know I, I think that's common people still say it and people assume that anyone who's doing that uh is there is desperation there's something sad about them rather than them being empowered um speaking of the name of your exhibit uh, the Naked Seduction was a club. Mm-hmm. Now, here is my question. I was reading the write-up about the Naked Seduction. And folks, I'm going to put the photo up now. There's a photo of a man and a woman um, acting out this erotic moment. Uh, like, it's a, it's a performance. And they were doing it in a club called the Naked Seduction. Now, who was the owner of the Naked Seduction? Who was the owner? Yes. Kathleen Samuels, who is a woman. Yes, Kathleen Samuels. That's what I wanted to ask you. So this is interesting to me. Uh, The Naked Seduction was a club 
and it was owned by a woman. Now the picture, why don't you tell us about the picture? So, yeah. So the picture is, it's my favorite picture in the show. It's of a man and a woman who are actually husband and wife in the midst of, you know, the beginning of intercourse on a platform in the club where there's two older people right in front of them looking directly at the camera, not at the two, at the couple having sex behind them, you know, sitting sort of at the bar. Um, what do they call that? It's the the meat rack, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's there. Is that what they call it? Yeah, I think you're right. I was like, God, how did I not know that? Yes, yes, I but I've heard it. it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's a black and white image and the couple, the married couple who are in the midst of having sex have these orgasmic, pleasurable faces on them. They're so in the moment. And the older, like the older pair, who's not a couple, are staring just right at the camera. And there is this sense of tension, but they also sort of seem like they might be enjoying it. Um, But what's so interesting about this photo is the Naked Seduction was a club where the erotic performers, husband and wife, Roberta Lee and William Milliken, would have a simulated live sex act at the club. So they would perform sex for people who would come in and they were going to get arrested and the club was going to get sued for them doing this. And they said, well, we're married. We're a married couple. We do this at home. Why can't we do this at a club? Like what, what's the difference? So this photo is a picture of the judge and a member of the jury coming into naked seduction watching the live sex act to determine if what they were doing was legal i know right it's like to to determine they're like this sounds like a fun day (laughs) fun day work so they're so they're at the club determining whether or not they think it's okay for you know husband and wife to have sex and they naked seduction ended up winning the trial because it was legal. And unfortunately, Kathleen Samuels had passed away like two weeks before they had decided, um, you know, who won, which is a bummer. But I thought that was a really empowering moment. And I actually, you know, I named the the show Naked Section after this. This was one of the first images that I had seen. Um, and I just thought it was such a powerful story of, you know, why can't, why can't people perform sex for money if this is what they want to do and they feel passionate about doing it? Like, I love this image because of their facial expressions. They are so blissfully in their own world. They don't really give a fuck about the judge or the jury there. They're just so happy to be doing it. And I think there's something so beautiful and authentic about that. And yeah, I, I love it. I don't know that I could have sex in front of a judge and jury member. I think that might be a little bit too much for me. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a little impressed with the fact that the dude was able to, you know, make it work. One thing that you do keep bringing up, I hadn't thought about until our conversation is the heteronormative nature of the photos and, and the time and, and the scene. So it is interesting to me that in these photos at in the sixties and seventies, 
which again, women were not in power in any way during that time. I was born in the 70s and women were very much, I was raised in a very much a 1950s household. So to see these images at that time uh, showing women naked, half naked pasties, whatever, close enough to naked and empowered in such a heteronormative sexual situation is, it's a big fucking deal. We'll be right back. Kick off the new year with a jaw-dropping 30% off of some of the hottest sex toys and my favorite, Gleam Lube, with code EXPLORERS30 when you shop thethruster.com. Known as the home of the incredible build-your-own thruster prime, thethruster.com is also partnered with lassiere.com, where you'll find gorgeous vibrating steel toys, and boutiquevoila.com, where you can grab a vibrating lipstick, a rubber ducky that gets lucky, or even get pounded by... Thor's hammer, literally, all for 30% off with code EXPLORERS30. Just head to thethruster.com where you'll find The Thruster, Lassier, and Boutique Voila and enjoy 30% off your site-wide purchases with code EXPLORERS30 at checkout. Cheers. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's where the light bulb went off for me when I had like seen these images I felt like that like I I immediately recognized how unique and important these were and I think that that was a huge thing too with Elizabeth Sunflower is a lot of the archives my dad and I collect they they've struggled to reach the surface in modern day and that was this huge point for me and in Naked Seduction is bringing these to the surface and showing how uniquely rare and beautiful it was to see these women, you know, showcasing their, these, their bodies in the way that they wanted to and feeling excited about doing it. You know, I think that is something really special. And I think that as a woman myself, like I feel, I want to feel proud about my body. And when I do, and I have these moments of like feeling really good, you want to show that part off of of yourself, you know, like what if I want to show like some of my cleavage or I want to wear like, you know, a see-through shirt where my nipples are showing when I go out, I don't want to have to think about the fact that other people, like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to think about the male gaze or oh, someone's going to be like, hey there, mama or whatever, you know, like I just want to be able to go out and enjoy myself. And that's what I really liked about these photos is even though the men are looking at them, which is unfortunately the society that we do live in, they're still sort of in this bliss and enjoying themselves and saying like, this is for me. It's not really for anyone else. Like this is a moment in history that I'm creating. Mm -hmm. And so how do you feel that taking these photos that, I mean, as far as I know, and again, you're free to correct me if I'm wrong, they certainly haven't been mainstream photos. I don't even know if most people have seen these photos or heard this story before. So taking these photos and now bringing them out into the public eye, you did an exhibit, you've written this article, I'm going to be talking about them. And I assume that more, hopefully more and more people are going to see them and learn about Elizabeth Sunflower and about these iconic people who I have never even heard about. What do you think doing that today has to offer kind of what we're going through right now as at least the American culture. 
Yeah, I think that's a good question because I think that, again, like I didn't know who Carol Dota was or Lola Raquel and I'm from San Francisco. So I think understanding and knowing who these women were who sort of like laid some of the groundwork out, you know, like for Carol Dota to be the first topless dancer in the United States. And that was so recent, you know, like that was 1970. You know, that's not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And to just know her name and know what she went through and, you know, she was arrested and they were fighting at the same time for this woman's liberation in in the woman's liberation movement, just to have the big picture is it feels really important as we continue to fight for, you know, women's rights today, you know, to understand the groundwork and what they went through to continue this fight only brings the whole story together. And I said this at the beginning and I'll say it again now, like I'm, I am no expert in this. I'm learning more and more every single day and to understand the beginnings of what Carol Dota and Lola Raquel and the woman El Cid Club or Naked Seduction did is the beginning to understanding the whole picture. Yeah. I think what I, you know, you have mentioned that you're not an expert in this. And I think what I want to say about that, because I think this is important. I have interviewed doctors. I have authors. I mean, I, I understand how lucky I am to get to talk to the people that I have, but every last one of them will admit that because there has been so little focus on women's sexuality from the medical end of it to the hormonal end of it to the lifestyle end of it and and what goes on with us physically, mentally, emotionally, that everybody is still in the learning mode. I mean, fuck, they just kind of figured out how big the clitoris is. Have you seen the new pictures of the clitoris? That's like a goddamn like monster inside our body. Oh, uh, wow. I need to that. Yeah, it's not the little nub. That's like relatively new information. I mean, it really, this is a new movement, a new topic. There's so much that's not known about women's sexuality and our history. We, in general, we were not captured in history books. No one talked about us. And so what you're doing is so fucking important. You are uncovering, you found history that probably just wouldn't have been brought to light. Like, why is this not a movie? Is there not a movie about these women? Like fucking blow my mind. What an amazing movie that would be. It's so crazy. Cause like, you know, you can look up Carol Dota online and there's stuff that comes up about her. But if you like try to look up Lola Raquel, there's like one article and it's not even about her. It just like mentions her name. Like these women really weren't written about. And a lot of these stories, like I said about the Elsid Club or Lola Raquel are just written from Elizabeth Sunflower. And I think that goes back to what you're saying. Like these women were major innovators and doing like such amazing things for like females and nobody was really like, nobody gave a fuck back then. And that's like, it's so sad because of everything that they were doing and how beautifully done it was, you know, and unique. So yeah. Yeah. It was captured and so much of, again, so much of women's history is lost. It's just fucking lost. And so it's, it is a big deal that you've, you've, 
unearth and found this little bit you captured a little bit of the history and hopefully that will lead to their stories being told even more and more i think this is super important listeners we all feel like beginners in the world of women's sexuality and some of us are just afraid to even dip our toe in the water because of what people might think of us Uh, when i started doing this podcast i was terrified of what it would mean for my career what people would think of me and it's been nothing but like empowering for me um and telling the stories of the women and bringing to light the stories of the women who really were the innovators in women's sexual empowerment is important. Um, And I hope that listeners, you're going to take some time to check out the photos. Now, we have been putting up photos throughout our conversation that correlate with the conversation. Are there any photos I didn't touch on that you want to bring to light, talk about right now and um, put up at this point? Yeah, so there's one last image that I want to put up, which I think is such an important one. And it's of Carol Doda, and she's standing outside of the Condor Club. It's 1972. And I believe she's standing with the owner of the Condor Club. She's she's holding her boobs. She's cupping them. You know, she's crossing her hands, and she's cupping her boobs. Um, and she's fairly big boobs, so you, you can see most of them. She's really just cu- cupping her nipples. And there's all of these people behind her. And there's one woman who's behind her holding the woman's symbol up with a hand in the middle. Um, It's like, you know, a protesting type sign. But, you know, the woman holding the sign, she has a big smile on her face and she looks really excited. And this is right after Carol Dota and um, a bunch of her fellow dancers put their boobs into the cement in front of the Condor Club to sort of immortalize the club and themselves, you know, they put it in the concrete and it's still there today. And I think that that photo of all these people and all these people are smiling. It's not just men, it's men and women. There just has this sort of like victory moment. And I feel like there's, there's sort of been this up and down feeling throughout naked seduction of, you know, both excitement, but also a sense of defeat. And I love this image. This was one of the last images. If you walk around the gallery that you see, and it's sort of like a victory moment of excitement. And she looks really happy and she's, she's immortalizing herself in this moment in history that she created by being the first topless dancer in the United States. And I just think this image is so important for so many different reasons, whether it has, because it has, you know, this, the woman's, liberation symbol behind her, but also her standing and feeling, you know, really happy and like she achieved something, which, which she did. She did. Yeah. Very cool picture. Now guys. So again, the images are up on screen throughout our conversation on my YouTube channel, Annette Benedetti. Um, If you need, you know, clarification. Again, you're going to want to go to the article. It has the captions. Uh, Ricky did a beautiful job, a really beautiful write-up on the images and dives deeper into the meaning behind them, the significance of them. I hope that you'll click on that link and and then share it with your friends. Um Ricky, I would love for you to tell people where they can find you, everything you're doing, keep up with your shenanigans. 
Yeah, of course. So you can find me on Instagram. I have two different Instagrams that you can follow. It's at Retro Blakesburg, which highlights my dad's photo archive. That's less about feminism, a little bit more about rock and roll and music, but it's still a great archive to check out. And Retro Photo Archive, which is where I post photographers like Elizabeth Sunflower. And those are more the 60s and 70s based. And, you know, it, it ranges from more feminist photography to rock and roll just to pop culture so you can check it out there and then also uh, like Annette said you can go to the photographicjournal.com and read the full article about Elizabeth Sunflower in relation to the stripper scene in North Beach and learn more about Carol Dota and Lola Raquel and if they want to keep up with when you do exhibits and stuff like that how are they going to do that I think the best way would be to check out the Instagram or retrophotoarchive.com. So retrophotoarchive.com or at retrophotoarchive. I will always post about exhibits that I'll be doing. Awesome. And you guys know where to find me, right? By now, I hope you know. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Locker Room Talking Shots podcast. Um she explores life you can join me on my personal instagram at being benedetti uh also youtube at annette benedetti and tiktok locker room talk and shots podcast it's hard to post there tiktok does not like women talking about sex but whatever i keep trying because <laughs> that's what i do uh ricky thank you so much for taking time to join me and to talk about this it was fascinating i have learned so much i'm going to keep an eye on your work until next time, listeners, I will see you in the locker room. Cheers. <laughs> Ring loop. Bring sexy back in 2024 with hot lingerie, sensual body products, and adventurous sex toys from lovehoney.com, all at a 15% discount with code EXPLORES15. Embrace your inner bombshell with their gorgeous bra and panty sets, baby dolls, and corsets. Then explore your desires with their line of toys that range from vanilla is my flavor to tie me up and call me good girl daddy. And don't forget to treat yourself to a massage candle or essential body oil, all for 15% off with code EXPLORES15 when you shop lovehoney.com. That's right, 15% off on lingerie, sex toys, and more when you shop lovehoney.com and use code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers.